Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. The Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, BizzleCast listeners, welcome to a very special, unexpected uh, BizzleCast with Brit Girl about The Last Jedi. It is not unexpected to be talking about The Last Jedi. I just, she recently graduated from uni and Woo. is working on her future. Congratulations. And you got back from a huge trip and you got a ton going on. And so I thought this discussion would happen later down the road. And you're not out of the woods, by the way. This discussion oh. is definitely happening again more down the road. Mm-hmm. However, after talking with Alistair and communicating with you, um, I just wanted to get you on briefly. It's so wonderful to have you back on. So, Britt, I know we don't have a ton of time, and I want to get a, do a longer podcast with you on this uh, down the road when, when you've settled in a little bit more, and maybe you've seen it a second or third time, if you feel like it or just digested it more. So I just want to work backwards because I want to get the main info up front and then talk about some bigger issues and then we run out of time because you want to hang out with your family. <laughs> like that's it should be an important priority. Yeah, seriously. I know. Who wants to hang out with your family? Chief. Just before we start, I'll have to say, yes. this movie could quite possibly push me over the edge to be an all-out nerd. Star Wars nerd. Okay. That's how much I loved it. All right. So you, you've already pushed me to the next segment. I can't even stop at this point. I'm not going to ask oh you to God. give it a grade. I'm not going to ask you to do the normal dissection. Yeah. Brittany, this movie on Rotten Tomatoes from fans has a 57% right now. On Metacritic, it has like a 5.9. On IMDb, it has over an 8, which is very good for any movie. And mm. on serious uh, sites that like interview people after they see the movie, like Cinescore, it has an A, like a solid A. So mm. there is a, con- just like there is a concerted effort from certain fans, from certain comic book communities about in certain movies, about positives or negatives about those movies, which you may or may not have time to get into here. There's a concerted effort from certain Star Wars nerds who are not happy about, dare I say, all of the diverse characters in this film and the diverse ideas that are going on. They show like how we have multiple races in a film? How dare they? So what's going on? What is going on, Britt? Because I I love it because the thing is not only did it show um, give such great three dimensional backstories and depth to the front running characters. I love Rose. I'm sorry if you're listening to this podcast and you don't like Rose, Get you need out. to go back and watch her performance. She killed this. Get out! I was just about to say as simple as her sister. I was attached to her sister two minutes into being oh introduced God. to her, and then all of a sudden, spoilers, she's oh. gone. And like what looking at her holding a necklace, I kind of you know you know it's building up to something else. Who is she related to? Is it what, what, what? And sisterly like bond is something amazing, and you'll get that from like how much I love Supergirl. You'll see that there. And I don't I don't have a sister, but I just think it's such a great thing to watch. That's a great comparison, and yet like Alex and Kara, 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 I always screw this Kara, up. Yeah, like Alex and Kara. Little things like necklaces or keepsakes, they would give up in a second to help save the other one or help save the universe yeah. on behalf of the other person. But but that's the thing. Looking back at all these different critiques and stuff, 
Um, I could walk out of that film, and I think it's because I have tried to detach myself from the mm. Star Wars fandom a bit. I could walk out of that film on a buzz. And my dad and I just talked about it so like excitedly and how it had all these multi-levels like we had such a theme like a religious theme from it and i know they were saying like you know the jedi is a religion and i know you guys you and alistair discussed it as well sure but if you you could also reflect it back on um judaism how it's like judaism when it moved on when it didn't move on but it created christianity it's it's this religion isn't just for the jews anymore it's gone on to the gentiles and they have the chance to they now have access to it which is very much like what's happening here. Luke is saying the Jedi Force cannot just be for, well, the Force cannot just be for the Jedis. It has to be for everyone. Everyone, like the man from um, Rogue One, everyone should have access to it. So there's so much intelligence behind this film. And that's why I walked out thinking this is a 9 or a 9.5. I don't know. I'm on a buzz. Obviously, there's always when you nitpick, it's going to, you know, as a critique in me. Critique in me is an 8, but that's still really. But there are no, I would say, for me, there are no nitpicks in this movie that significantly overwhelm the things I love about the movie. Absolutely. And I still feel that way about Force Awakens. I mean, Alistair was feeling a little defensive about it. I'm not sure he realized how much I loved Force Awakens. I have almost no problems with that movie, including the people who say it's just exactly like the original film. Um, I I love it and I love Rogue One as well but Mm. this one I thought combined the best elements of the epic Skywalker scope of the Force Awakens, but also the quirky humor, but it also had yeah. the war the war movie feel of Rogue One in it, which That's, included yeah. you could see Gareth Edwards in a very long close up. You saw Gareth Edwards, the director of Rogue One, with a gun in the trenches at the end of this movie. Um, you could you could see the Rogue One elements uh, for sure. There was actually a lot of Battlestar Galactica elements and other sci fi things. Um, Britt, so I thought I would ask you, because I know you love this movie, I love this movie, we have so much to talk about, we don't have that much time. There were some th- things about this movie in particular that I thought about you, uh, either when I was watching it or thinking about it later, and I wanted to throw it to you, and you could tell me whether I'm off my rocker or not. Um, oh, okay. But, but to wrap up what we were talking about, this movie might match The Force Awakens box office, which no one thought was possible. So this online nerd movement to like create score deficiencies on Rotten Tomatoes, which we have all discussed is bullshit, by the way. The fact that Justice League has a 39%, you know, and Doctor Strange has a 90 from critics, for example. Yeah. Both the critic scores and the user scores are completely... To the point where I just don't even trust it as a source at this point. And America is loving this movie. And after two sold-out viewings about the suburbs and the city, people really fucking love this movie. And so I just can't take it seriously. So I want to just throw a few topics towards you while I have you. And then we can revisit some of this stuff more later. Does that sound okay? So you and I love the magical stuff. You're more in the Harry Potter side. I'm more on the mm. Lord of the Rings side. Um, I grew up, re- I, you know, I grew up reading Lord of the Rings. It happened that Lord of the Rings came out while I was in college, and I loved the movies. But I, I, I did love the movies. But I started with the books. Um, you were just in England recently. You visited the Harry Potter, you know, Warner Brothers stuff. 
Um, mm-hmm. Really quickly before I ask this question, did you read the Harry Potter books before the movies or did it happen simultaneously to you? And this is relevant. I, yeah, I, I read them before the movies. I like when we went camping, the boys would be down at the beach and I would go to a $2 shop. Oh, sorry, a nop shop. Get a secondhand Harry Potter book because usually the next one was in that op shop the following mm. year. I'd go camping and mm. I'd sit in the tent and read. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. <laughs> so when Ray is visiting various parts of the island and discovering magical books and secret entrances to caves and places she had never been before. <sighs> Maybe it's just because I've read so much fantasy over the years and love it. It never did it make sense to me. Like, it all made Mm. sense that the magical stuff would fit in the Star Wars universe and would be part of her journey. And this is coming from a hardcore Star Wars fan. And I know, by the way, there are Star Wars fans who liked this movie who thought there was too much fantasy element to it. So, as a person who's come a little bit later... Not later, but as as someone who's come in the newer era to Star Wars and appreciate what's going on, and you love the magical stuff as well as I do, A, did you like the sort of magical uh, elements to this film? B, did you feel like they were appropriate and you identified with it and they added Mm -hmm. to what was going on? I think it was really good because it just showed the different levels of the Force because I feel like the ones who weren't yet master of, like, along with Yoda and Windu and stuff, I feel like they were restricted to just moving objects with the force, like floating a pair across the table. But I feel as if the more they study and I guess the emotional attachment, if they are strong with the force, the weirder things that would happen. And I feel that this connection, which we've seen before, we've seen Luke and Leia connect in the previous film. So that's not really that new. We've just investigated it in a different, well, they've investigated it in a different light, which was really good. It had this weird, it was unnerving, but it was also really interesting. Like imagine being connected with someone you disdain, like you hate the, like your core, and but y- you can only really learn from them so it's like it's a connection that she needed like yeah luke was there to teach her but she needed this connection with kylo um i i loved the that stuff i loved the creepy voices that led her to the tree because i would just assume they were the jedis of the past like yoda who are now in the force and one with the force i did feel that the uh dark side under the seaweed was a bit of a letdown unfortunately but that was such a small thing. It had such a big build-up and gave me such a fright. But I think that was the point. I agree with you in the first viewing, but in the second viewing, I think that was the point, was she was looking for knowledge that wasn't there, and Luke scolded her for looking for it, actually. Yeah. But it's, it's, it makes me wonder if every Jedi or every Force user has a different experience when searching for the dark side. And how it must be trying to... Because the, the Jedi Fours are trying to be unemotional, aren't they? And whereas the dark side is like, no, you have to use your emotions to push your um, your abilities. So, I think maybe, yeah, like their journey to the dark side and what the dark side, how it's represented, must be different to each person. So, that's a really interesting way to look into it. And having having this mystical element, I I did, I really enjoyed. But um, as a quick note, I feel as well that I've been able to connect with these more recent films more is because there is 
like a front and center female as well. Like I loved Princess Leia in the previous films, but she was kind of underused a little bit. Like she could have been more. Um, and seeing and seeing Ray having such a like and Leia now having such a impacting role in all of this. And Rose, and and then also having Maz, I think her name is, who is amazing. I love Maz. Oh my god, the fact that I called Maz Kanata while she was in the middle of like fighting off some horrible bounty hunters was amazing. Yeah, mm. but like the biggest thing that's Lupita, by that, the way. That's Lupita. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. just I've got the IMD DP page in front of me, and yeah, I see that yeah. one there. And yeah, that's Lupita. Um, yeah, just having, but also having the the range of diverse characters. So it's not just pushing women in front of everyone. It's got this wonderful balance. The force is at peace. I'm at peace. <laughs> I, Brett, this is a topic I, I want to table for our longer podcast on this because the women were clearly the bosses on every level in this movie. I mean, Ray tamed Luke. Ray tamed Kylo. Leia and Admiral Holdo, played by Laura Dern, who was awesome, tamed Poe. Rose tamed Finn. I mean, on every level, the women were the bosses in this movie. And you know I love this. You know yeah. I love this. And and you know that the Jessica Jones coming out in two months is making me extremely excited right now. And mm. you know I believe in this. And, and, you know, and me being a mama's boy and a supporter of hardcore female characters, you know, but you know, grounded female characters, I love this is a whole different topic and i think this is part of the super nerd campaign online which is going to fail because most people are also very ready for these messages and for these characters and it's never in your face i thought carrie fisher was a total boss in this movie as i've been telling you for months she helped write it and ryan johnson has admitted Mm -hmm. it and you could tell that there were some leia lines that carrie fisher wrote in this movie i'm sorry you could tell I mean, the whole bit where she she rips into Poe Dameron about you can't just jump in an X-Wing and go blow stuff up. And two minutes later, he's like, permission to get an X-Wing and go blow stuff up. And she's like, yeah. permission granted. That That is a totally yeah. Carrie Fisher line right there. I, I, yeah. I'm telling you right now that that is absolute facts. So I want to get back to the topic in, in, in a, a later podcast. But but the, the mystical stuff, I think, is really, really important. And I think that the sort of Lord of the Rings high fantasy vibe um in this movie really worked for me and really works for the genre and what was so interesting to me was that i wasn't sure if this movie was going to open up a bunch of star wars lore or close it off and to be honest it closed off a lot and i think that was the right choice um in preparing for the future where they might go to other galaxies or different times and stuff like that they've already talked about I, you know, as a writer, I was hoping it would open up more, but by Yoda coming in and burning the temple and, you know, sitting back and watching the whole thing burn and say, we have to create a new order, I thought was a very smart move for the franchise. But at the same time, like, Star Wars has always been described as a science fantasy, not science fiction. And mm. so <laughs> you may not 
you, not you, the, you, the listener or the viewer may not love the way they portrayed the fantasy aspect of this movie, but it is perfectly in line going back to the original movie where Han Solo kept denigrating Obi-Wan Kenobi and calling him Hocus Pocus and a charlatan and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it's not a surprise that R2-D2 would show the original Princess Leia message, by the way. Oh, that was um, brilliant. To, and Luke calls him out on it. It was like a cheap trick, you know, but it, that's what that's what gets Luke back in the fight, you know? Mm. That is what gets Luke back in the fight. And, and by the way, we've seen Force Ghosts, but Luke was basically performing a Force ghost as a living person projecting himself across the galaxy mm-hmm. in that final scene which has never been done in jedi lore before and one question i'd love to ask to you is yeah. do they keep selling that the characters that we love are you know sort of more and more powerful but in sort of creative ways that don't spoil it for us because if they just said for example well ray's just the most powerful and she could do anything it wouldn't be interesting to anybody but i I felt like they really make have been making us earn even with luke skywalker these new developments Mm. well i think kylo would actually be stronger than um than ray at the moment but he is held back by his rage he honestly cannot control himself i think he loves her i think he's truly yeah he's gotta yeah yeah well that's the weird thing in that i would now i have reasoning behind this we've only ever seen two people connect like that before who are twins or who are siblings (laughs) so i think that they're rehashing a story if you've got a brother loving a sister (laughs) Dude, I think Kylo definitely is in love with Rey. And I love that even though he's been mind raping her now for two movies, in the first movie, he was definitely being a horrible person. But in this movie, he was being manipulated by Snoke and he was not aware of why they were able to connect. Yeah. And I think that the scene where he's shirtless was definitely meant to be a laugh. Um, actually, and I thought that was a great way to break the tension. Yeah. Uh, uh you Definitely. know, where she's like, put a, a cowl on or something. Yeah. I think she I says, w- I would debate that. I mean, like Star Wars is known to having a bit of a crush between brother and sister, which is, which but is that. Not. Um, we know but, she's not now. Well, we don't know. Kylo oh, is, you is still a very think? emotional person. I would not take Kylo's word for it. I honestly think that no, saying that. It. She's so not he, herself. They're nobodies. But that is her deepest fear. Mm. I think he's playing on her fear and on her, on her, you know. No, I, that's I'm telling I you, it's, that's what it is. Raising nobody. And the very, 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 very last scene with the little mm-hmm. kids on the casino planet where there's a very Harry yeah. Potter-esque scene, by the way, which I thought of you right and away. Where he uses broom, the force yeah. to grab the broom, and then he uses the broom as like a you know play um, lightsaber, and he's got the rebel ring, mm. um, and he's a nobody. I think Ray is. There's going to be a time jump in the new movie uh, of a couple of years where Poe Dameron takes over as the head of the Resistance. Uh, I love that they're calling it the Rebellion now. By the way, they're not even trying to call it the Resistance. T- it, when Finn says, "Yeah, I'm rebel scum," that just I just made me so happy um and 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 daisy ridley uh ray is going to be recruiting uh you know young jedi and i love that the last jedi thing didn't fulfill itself 
I mean, Ryan Johnson easily could have given in to cynical, I'm so artsy temptation and actually kill the Jedi. But what he did yeah. was say what people like me and everyone else has been saying, which is that there's nothing inherently wrong with the light side of the Force or the Jedi. They've just been screwing up and making horrible, horrible decisions for a long time. And this was the question I want to ask you, Brett, is mm-hmm. you saw the prequels. Yeah. And one, you know, one of the hypotheticals is if Anakin Skywalker was allowed to A, be with Padme openly and B, grieve his mother and deal with what happened with his mother openly, would anything have changed? Would he still have become Darth Vader? I don't know, honestly. He might have still I become think- Darth Vader. But it, it it certainly didn't help. And I think that's part of what Luke and Yoda in this movie were talking about was so fucked up about the yeah. Jedi. I think it's because they were afraid of him. It was the same thing that happened with Kylo in that mm. they knew that he, ahead of Anakin, was two paths. He could either do great good and be the like the chosen one or whatever they were saying to bring balance, or he would be great because he was like, we see great darkness in you as well. So there was two paths ahead of him. And I think that their fear of him going to the dark side and by trying to m- manipulate him by giving, giving him so little information, I think that belittled him to the point where he didn't feel like he was actually a part of the Jedi. So if, if they did allow for that, I mean, if they had been even a, like allowing him to have a relationship, allowing for him to grieve, I think that would help to keep him on, you know, the good path or whatever. But it's also at the same time, it was was the fear. And the same thing happened with Luke and Kylo. Luke had fear. He saw darkness. And he thought he'd do something that the ones before him didn't. And by going that step further, it just has created even almost like a worse monster. So... Okay, so I want to wrap up this past big topic and then move to the final one because I know you don't have a lot of time and we're going to do this again. So to wrap up the final top, the the previous topic, do you agree with me that all the sort of magical mystical stuff in this movie worked really well and Absolutely. was just cool? Okay. It was very cool. Okay. Seeing like seeing how far the force can be pushed is yeah. brilliant. And you, we got By the way, those are called virgences. I, I don't want to lecture you on this. And if you listen to Alistair or you listen to, uh, I had Jedi Geek Girl. I know you listen to me on Jedi Geek Girl's podcast, but she was on mm-hmm. my podcast. We were talking deep canon. And virgences in the force, which they talk about in the prequels, are basically like, um, do you know how gravitational bodies uh, in uh, the universe cause curving effects, right? So that's why we get yeah. sucked into the Earth or any major gravitational body, or you know what I mean. Like the, the large gravitational or large en- energy bodies cause disturbances, for lack of a better word, in the universe. The force works the same way. So technically, Jedi are manipulating gravity. That is so cool. Yes, and in fact, there's an article that I'm. There's an article I'm going to post along with this about uh, how quantum physics is related, as I've been saying, to Star Wars and how 
you, you can explain force powers with, with quantum physics, but there are some really interesting things. And, and because it's based in Eastern philosophy, there's a lot of connections there. But a lot of people have made connections between Eastern philosophy and quantum physics. But the point being, whether it's a person or a place or an object, there are what they call virgences in the force, which are like deep gravity wells that suck everything else in. That's what they detected in Anakin. That's what they detected in Luke. That's what Yoda's planet was, you know, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant and so forth. These, these, you know, these deep bodies in Luke's planet uh, and Skerrick Michael, the Irish island in, in this movie has a ton of virgences and, and Ray was just exploring them and he goes off on her for exploring these virgences without thinking about it. But he's ultimately wrong. She's just trying to get a handle on reality and he's not coaching enough to give her what she needs and so i I actually liked all of that so it's a topic for another time i'm glad you enjoyed it i love the lord of the rings harry potter feel to this whole thing personally and by the way the animals in this movie oh they're amazing the horses the foxes (laughs) the porgs the milk monsters the whole i mean everything just was awesome i I absolutely love the animals in this movie but was but, I right in linking yeah. the milking thing to the green milk in the first few films? Because that's just the impression I got. Well, the blue milk, that was oh, trolling the fans. The blue milk thing, and they're constantly trolling fans with blue milk about where oh, it comes okay. from and how you can get it. So I think that was partially exactly what you are saying and partially just them trolling fans about where blue milk comes from. But. <laughs> I just love that he was just so connected with his environment and he swung across on that giant pole in the thunderstorm and he like stabbed a fish, you know, to kill it for them to eat. Here's a theory for you. The the blue milk has come across in a lot of different films, especially Mm -hmm. with different people growing up and they, they tend to drink it a lot. Do you think that maybe that is the source of the force? Like a Jedi is made from drinking blue milk? There's no source of the Force. (laughs) This is the problem, is that in the prequels, which you've seen, they introduce this notion of the midi-chlorians. And people are like, oh, the midi-chlorians are the Force. It's so stupid. But what people don't understand is, I don't want to go on a long discussion because you know I don't love to defend the prequels, but the midi-chlorians are essentially... You know how there are certain diseases and certain conditions in our world that we can't detect directly, but we can detect through antibodies and stuff? For example, I've suffered from Lyme's disease in the past. You can't actually detect Lyme disease directly, but you can detect the antibodies around it. Um, AIDS is similar. Uh, You know, you can detect the thing, the white blood cells not necessarily the disease itself, the midichlorians are just a harmless bacteria that tend to congregate around force-strong areas, whether it be people or places or things, and that helps them determine. But it's all part of the Jedi's being idiots. And that's what I loved about Yoda (laughs) in this movie, is he admitted that they're a bunch of fucking idiots. Because if you watch the Clone Wars series, especially, the the Jedi are really, 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 really dumb um, and short-sighted. And this is is the end goal of it. And I think they're not getting enough credit for it. So, whatever. That's midichlorians. We're not going to talk about it. We'll go back. But... The biggest thing going into this movie was Raylo, right? There were people who, you know, specifically wanted Ray and Kylo to get together, which was a minority. 
there was a strong majority, I would say, of people uh, who wanted them to have a adult relationship that wasn't necessarily romantic, but was complicated and had things going on. And then there was people who were like, Kylo Ren's evil and terrible, and he killed his dad. He's irredeemable. We want nothing to do with him. But I'm telling you, Brittany, in both theater watchings, People cheered when he killed Snoke and defended Rey, and they started fighting together. Even though it only lasted a small amount of time, mm. he immediately started going evil again. People were really excited. And that's what Star Wars is ultimately about, right? Is is trying to bring people back to the light side. And I'm not convinced that this is the last we're seeing of good Kylo. I, I think no. he is going to die yeah. defending ray in the end i think he is in love with her and this was a question i wanted to throw to you is i think he's spiritually in love with her which is both less creepy but also more disturbing at the same time like it, it's I, I don't know how to say this without sounding crass there's definitely there's definitely a connection there but i think that they are almost uh, two sides of a single coin so they are opposites um, I think that maybe at the end, uh, Kylo may save Daisy from some sort of death or whatever. But I don't think Kylo is the big bag- bad in the end. I think the big bad is actually General Hux and whatever he brings up around him. He tried to kill Kylo in this film and we, you know, you feel for Kylo. You don't want him to die. So I would assume that people are being positioned to really dislike Hux. And I think he, in the end, will be the big bad. I think Hux is too stupid and single-minded to be the bad guy. And I happen to know a lot about the external literature. His father was a great sort of Nazi-esque figure. His son is less great. I think there's going to be, however, a bigger baddie in the final movie. That will test Kylo's resolve. But Mm -hmm. my question to you is... How did they manage to establish, after what he did to Rey in the first movie, where he is kind of mind-raping her um, in The Force Awakens, what what were they able to do to where you were sort of rooting for him? And even after the events of this movie where he goes psychotic in the end with Mark Hamill and everything, mm. and he, he does feel like a jilted lover. I mean, it's the thing. He now feels like a jilted lover with Daisy Ridley, and she hasn't even pecked him on the cheek, and he feels like a jilted lover, I think is so interesting. I think it's because he has been shown to be the victim of Snoke, He's being manipulated and pulled from every which way. He has been twisted and hurt and, uh, you know, turned, Mark turned, well, sorry, Mark, Luke turned his back on him to an extent and there was a misunderstanding there. Um, I think mind raped is probably a bit, like, I mean, like, it's definitely a dreadful situation in the first film, but I think that might be too harsh of a description of what's going on. I think that way it's also maybe his character was a little bit more forgivable. Um, but I don't know a, 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 a woman who is seemingly helpless and getting violated mentally or physically it's hard for me yeah I, I mean I don't want to throw the rape word around but it's pretty horrifying it's definitely he, is. in her head yeah yeah um, which is which, I mean like <laughs> I don't know how Ray is coping mentally she's going to have some crazy PTSD especially considering Snoke did it to her as well um, so I think Snoke was irredeemable because he had no light side, 
whereas Kylo is still battling with that and he and that's possibly why people still cheer for him. But then he's also a bit of like a low-key figure in that he's got the long dark hair. He's got that. He's got that. Uh, that physique, um, which always you helps. want him to turn, and you know he yeah. can. Yeah, you know he can turn. Yeah. yeah. But it looks like Loki is going to be the one to get Thanos through the portal in the new movie. So you know he might I actually know. die for once. <laughs> Well, but also like Kylo, I could see Loki dying for the good guys at the end, realizing yeah. his mistake or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Hux is just a Nazi general wannabe. Kylo's got a lot more going on. I thought the comedy between the two of them, while still being serious, was really, really well executed. Those are just two veteran actors. Go ahead. With Snoke, I'm a bit disappointed in how he was, compared to everyone yeah. else, he was so two-dimensional. Yes. There's nothing more to him other than a lust for power emperor. and control. He was the and emperor. Don't, don't yeah. know where he came from. He's just Snoke. I, yeah. That's, yeah. I, I feel I, like they need to build yeah. on that. I think, yes. I think we were hoping that Snoke would be more powerful and more all-knowing than the emperor. And he ended up just being Emperor Palpatine, basically. Just to th- just thinking as well is that there's always two Siths, so I'm gonna guess that the same as uh, Ray going out and trying to find, you know, Jedi's. I think Kylo is probably gonna look out for uh, another force sensitive child. What, what happened to the Knights of Ren? That's the whole point of Ren. Kylo Ren. Ren is part of the Knights of Ren. He was supposed to have a whole posse, and they just kind of got rid of that whole idea. Um, I, uh, I don't even know. That reference went way over my head. Well, <laughs> no, but when well you, if you watch The Force Awakens and you see Rey when she touches the, when she's in Maz's uh, place in the in Force Awakens and she goes and she finds a lightsaber and she touches it and she has the flashbacks with Obi-Wan's voice and everybody and she sees Luke's island. She sees the Knights of Ren going after Luke and there's a bunch of like Grim Reaper, they look like the Black Riders from Lord of the Rings guys, like with lightsabers, basically, like a whole bunch posse of stuff. So here, what I think is going to happen here, and we'll, we'll head to the end here because I know you don't have too much time. I really appreciate you being on for this one. I'm trying to get out stuff for this movie because I really, really love it, and I'm yeah, happy that other great. people seem to love it. Um, but I. I, I <laughs> I think Kylo will quickly tire of Hux, but killing Hux won't accomplish anything for him. I think he is, like Rey, is going to go out and they're going to be basically, it's going to be an arms race of Jedi and Dark Jedi that they're going to be recruiting to their side. And that sort of really cheesy final battle in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones in the arena, where you have all of these supposed Jedi fighting with lightsabers, that just doesn't look very good. Um, I think we'll see something a little bit more substantive and interesting in the final movie uh, in terms of Jedi and Dark Jedi um, in it. But I-, I do hope that they don't make Kylo the out-and-out bad guy. Not because I have some super sympathy for him, because I, I-, I in m- in our society, he should be in jail for life without hope of mm. parole. I mean, he's, Just his brain is so warped. His, he's so damaged that he's just a danger to society. And while I might feel bad for him, he's still a danger to society. But from a plot and lore standpoint with Star Wars, I would be, if, if Snoke is clearly not the guy 
then they have to come up with something more interesting, I think, to come up um, at, at, at the end of the next movie or something like that. Um, don't you think? To, to keep yeah. the interest going? Because if it's just them fighting Kylo, I think they lose momentum mm. there. Yeah, and that's and that's why I think Hux is going to be a bigger player than what he has been. But they also they definitely need to bring in another player, whether it be another Sith Lord, to try and who gets way too hungry for power and overtakes um, Kylo, or if it's uh, like a whole new player and like completely another general or something, trying to you know they get too ambitious and they might choke on their ambition. Thrawn, I bet you they're thinking about Thrawn right now. I know if you're not a hardcore Star Wars fan or you don't watch Rebels or you didn't grow up reading the books in the 90s, the early 2000s, Grand Admiral Thrawn, the blue-skinned, really, really, really evil but brilliant tactician, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's not even from the galaxy, actually. His people are from a different galaxy. Uh, Brit was one of the things I've been talking about and working on in my own works is the fact that they are working towards going to other galaxies, which has never been done in Star Wars before, and what what that would mean uh, for the series. Um, I think could maybe maybe be a possibility, but we now have Ray who doesn't even need to be trained up that much, and she's going to have Luke Skywalker Force Ghost on her shoulder, and we know we're going to have Yoda, and we've, I think we're going to get Obi-Wan if they need him. Um, I don't know who's going to stop Rey. So let me ask you this as a final question. I'll let you go for now. I really appreciate you being on on such short notice. What would you like to see in the next episode from sort of a meta, you know, large scale standpoint? You know, big bad guy. We know Carrie Fisher's not in it. We know if Mark Camel's in it, it's going to be as a force ghost. We might see some other force ghosts, but it's going to be about the young cast. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you like to see as someone who is buying into, let's be honest, you've bought into Star Wars at this point. Two things. All right. I've got two things I want. The first one is just coming to mind now, and I never even knew I wanted it. The bad guys get the coolest sabers. Can a good guy please get, like, a wicked saber? Maybe, like, a staff saber for, for Ray? That, that was not a coincidence that Luke had a, had a blue, by the way, instead of a green, but we'll save that for later. Yeah, go ahead. Because, I mean, what if Ray had, a, a sa- like, a staff saber? Oh, she is. That would be I, great. Yeah. Um, I think second it, one is yeah. I think that maybe this is the birth of Grey Jedi, and I think that would be really interesting in the films because I don't think they've touched on them. Which this whole movie was about other than by name. I mean, the discussions yeah. that Luke had with Rey and that Yoda had with Luke were specifically about accepting the Grey Jedi. And if people out there, if you can watch Star Wars Rebels, they explore the Grey Jedi thing. Ahsoka... Who's one? Who Ahsoka? Who who is easily the coolest Jedi that's not been in a movie? Ahsoka Tano in the cartoons is a great Jedi by choice. The 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 um they talk about a lot in the cartoon. They discuss it a lot in the cartoon. By the way, that shot of um Captain Phasma get hit in the face. And you see her eyeball right before she falls down. It's so cool. Is exactly, exact. And I'm not saying this because like I read it, but like I've just seen it a million times. 
exactly Ahsoka Tano, who was the the Padawan of um, Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars, facing off against Darth Vader many years later, her, her former Padawan and father figure smashes him in the face and in that exact shot. Um, I will say to you out there, and Brittany, I'm not going to force you to watch it, but I will say to you people out there, The Clone Wars has some really interesting stuff, but if you want to know the future of this series and have a good time doing it and you like Disney and cool animated stuff, watch Star Wars Rebels. The Grey Jedi stuff, the future of the Jedi, the future of the Dark Jedi, they talk about all of these things on Rebels, and we see Ahsoka, and we see Darth Maul, and we see Vader, and it's fucking phenomenal um it's absolutely great i think i think right i mean i think that's that's going to be ray's task in recruiting the next generation is not making the mistakes that even someone like master yoda who lived for 800 years um but again you know the jedi temple on coruscant uh that we see in the prequels you know is built on a Sith virgence that has existed for millions of years beforehand. So the entire time they're being worked by a spiritual force in the ground, essentially that they're not even aware of, which goes back to the fantasy stuff that we liked. So really quickly, what was the main thing you did not like in the movie? Oh, I think the, the, the dark side, the trippy seaweed dark side cave. I okay. think that was disappointing. I wasn't happy. I feel like, I don't know, there was such a frightening build up to it. Sure. I wanted to feel like, I mean, like, yes, maybe if she went in there searching for something and came out terrified, I wanted, I don't know, I wanted to be scared. And I wasn't scared. Just kind of like, okay, who slipped mushrooms into my popcorn? I would love to have had mushrooms slipped in my popcorn. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I watched it with my mom, by the way, tonight. She was she was cheering at all the right spots. You know, she was so excited with Kylo saved Ray and heartbroken yeah. when things went bad, and she was shocked that the hologram. People don't realize, by the way, that was not a hologram of Luke. It was much more substantive. And yeah. when, it, when it, you realize when you watch it again, it, when he gives Leia the bracelet, is that she knows exactly what's going on. I didn't realize the first time because I didn't know what was happening. You see the second time, Leia knows exactly that that's not Luke, but she's not going to give it away. And Luke yeah. could survive all of that, even if he was there physically, which is what sells the entire thing. I just absolutely loved. Mm. Um, final thought. We're not going to see Carrie Fisher again. I think they're going to be able to explain it away pretty easily as she died off screen, which is fine to me. I thought Billy Lord was great in this movie. I, I, I They didn't just do it as a favor to Carrie Fisher. In fact, Billy Lord, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. The blonde-haired girl with the buns in her hair. It was... Yeah, yeah. Anyways, she was initially uh, interviewed to be Ray and whatever, and she got a part of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think this sets up... It, it, it's so brilliant in the future. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, Britt, my final thought is I thought you would like this movie and enjoy it. But the fact that someone like Alistair and just normal people who are into cool movies like it makes me really happy and feel good. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure that was going to happen. Yeah, it was, it was, it definitely, I'm looking forward to the next addition to the film. They're definitely keeping up the momentum from the, the traditional ones. They're keeping what works and they're adding new and exciting things. And it's definitely, I'm really um, excited and terrified to take that next step to go into the fandom because I feel like I'm going to lose all my money, but it's it's very intriguing. Did you feel you feel did you feel good about Ray though in this film overall? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I loved Ray. Ray was great. Well, I'm, I I yeah, I love everything that she does, but I'm always worried <laughs> that yeah. She has so many fans. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for being on. I look forward to you being on more extensively. I don't want to keep you from your father and whatever movie you guys are watching tonight. Um, we definitely are still doing the Batgirl. Yeah, they, that just got a bit of a mix-up that week. You so, were sick, then I had everything else booked out. Yeah. So, what? Just really quick, what do we? What can we? What can I tell the fans? We do just volume one of Gil Simone. Are we going to do the first three? Um, um, if we do the first three, uh, and then try lot. and aim for like the start of the year. Yeah. Sometime. All right. To, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll announce it. Well, we will totally announce it. Um, so, okay. Well, again, congratulations on your graduation. Thank you. Um, or shish. Yeah, shish. Um, get a job. Um, (laughs) I wish. In fact, my actual advice is don't get a job. That's the worst thing you can do is get a full-time job right now. Uh, don't even tell your parents I said that. Uh, but honestly though, thank you so much for being on Bizzlecast listeners. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to have Brick Girl on. We will have her on soon. Thank you, Brick Girl. And the Bizzlecast is for now out.